Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 190 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sharing the adventures that don't always go to plan are sometimes the most helpful to others. Listen in for more of my truck troubles and the result of being an impulse buyer. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, it's podcast time once more and without fail the weather has continued its roller coaster journey with our local temperatures heading back up into the low double digits once more. Before the weather forecast though, I trust you're all well, your bees are behaving as it were and you're on track for a fabulous Christmas. Not long to wait now until we get to open all those lovely surprise beekeeping presents that we've been waiting for. First, before I let you in on my Christmas present surprise, back to the weather. Blue skies and sunshine outside right now. Daytime temperatures hovering around 10 degrees Celsius, that's around 40 Fahrenheit. And the bees are getting out and about, mainly on cleansing flights, but also out gathering some small amounts of pollen and probably a tiny amount of nectar if they're lucky. I was talking to Pete last night who reported his bees were really busy yesterday and were bringing back some yellow coloured pollen. Obviously that covers a huge range of pollens but if you carry out a little detective work and keep a watchful eye open you might find out exactly what they're on. For Pete's bees it seems they may be on a plant called Mahonia. Check it out online for some images of what it looks like, but the mature plants have tall architectural stems with spiky leaves and long bracts of yellow flowers that produce some wonderful pollen, especially if you take a look at it under the microscope. I think I've talked about it before, perhaps last year. There's bound to be some dropped at the entrance if they have plenty going into the hive, so grab a sample and check it out. You might be completely surprised by the identification and it could be a completely different plant. I keep encouraging Pete to do just that, but I don't think he's keen. Anyway, this warmer weather is great for bees getting out and about, but there is a cost to be paid at some point. This could be in the form of a shortage of food in the late winter, so do keep an eye on your bees and keep hefting those hives to check on the general weight. If you have any very light ones, it might be worth having a quick check just to make sure that they have food. Larger colonies will consume a significant amount of food on these toilet days, as I call them, when they break cluster and get out on their cleansing flights. All that energy used has to be paid for and they will no doubt need to eat at some point to regain the energy that they've used to get out. It's not difficult to pop a bag of fondant on a colony to compensate and it's certainly worth doing if you think your bees may be getting low on stores. 
it's a little early, to be honest, to be worrying about food shortages in our colonies, especially if you've fed the bees syrup in the late autumn. But all colonies vary, and some will eat their way through masses of food stores very quickly, while others will appear to hardly touch the food you've given them. A quick check will put your mind at ease. Just going back to the Christmas present surprise point that I mentioned a moment ago, if I don't mention it now, I'll forget I was going to say anything and I'll get distracted and then you'll never hear the story. Anyway, I don't know about you guys, but at some point around mid-November, the questions of Christmas presents are posed. What do you want for Christmas? And don't ask for beekeeping equipment. Well, that's the normal question anyway, which of course immediately confuses me. Because what else is there to buy a beekeeper if not beekeeping equipment? Socks? A new best shirt that I'll perhaps wear at Christmas and then hide it away in the wardrobe for another 12 months? I've got pretty much all the gadgets that I want or can use and I don't really have time for all the other hobbies that I'd like to keep doing, like fishing. I honestly just don't have the time, even over the winter months. So, in an attempt to meet the question somewhere halfway, I suggested several things. One being a nice super insulated cool box, which, although it could be used during the beekeeping season, could also, and I stress the word could, could also be used for picnics or trips to the beach. Honestly, when am I going to get a chance to have a trip to the beach during the height of the summer? Anyway, that idea seemed to pass the first round of questioning. Next was what type or brand? Well, I do like kit that works well, and inevitably that costs a little more than the stuff you get at the local pound shop. Having said that, even I didn't think I could justify spending somewhere in excess of £350 on a cool box, so I had to downgrade my expectations a little, but ended up with a really nice-looking selection that didn't cost a fortune. Fast forward to this last week, and the conversation of what presents we might expect. I still hadn't bought anything, and to be honest, I'm a bit of a last-minute shopper, life on the edge and all that. Anyway, the conversation about what I was going to get was kind of dismissed, and to be honest, I'd forgotten about the discussion of the cool box. Now, when you order larger items on Amazon, you need to know that when they stick an address label on it, they don't always put the item box in a delivery box. And yes, you've guessed it, while I was home, Mr. Amazon delivery driver knocked on the door with a box that proclaimed Igloo Cool Box all over the side. No Christmas Day surprise for me then. No doubt you'll see it on a video at some point when we're at the height of the summer season, having a well-earned break, but that does seem a long way off at the moment. And again, not really. So, on to my truck and trailer challenges. I mentioned last week I was off to get my new large trailer. I travelled all the way to deepest Wales. It's a long journey for a trailer, but we were going to visit friends as well, so it wasn't really much of a detour, just an extra 20 miles or so. To cut a very long story down a little... The collection of the trailer was uneventful. I would say it went without a hitch, but for those of you that know trailers will know you can't tow a trailer without a hitch, so there was at least one. Sorry about that. 
my poor attempt at a joke. Anyway, Sunday morning, journey home time. We had travelled about 50 miles, this being a 300-mile trip home or thereabouts, when I noticed the temperature gauge needle had climbed from its normal position, that is, on a clock face somewhere around the 45-minute mark, or 9 o'clock, all the way up to something close to 58 or 59 minutes. Not good, especially as we'd only really just started our journey. What followed was an eight-hour crawl back to Norwich instead of a five- or six-hour chilled-out drive. It appears from chatting to fellow bee farmers and other folk who know about vehicle mechanics and that kind of thing that the thermostat isn't working properly. Apparently, this little bit of kit controls the flow of coolant that travels around the engine to keep it at a safe working temperature. It was such a stressy drive. Towing the trailer for the first time, any sort of uphill section of the road meant the temperature would skyrocket and at each and every time this happened, I was waiting for a pipe to burst. Really stressful. It didn't happen though. Every time I thought we were done for, we would reach the top of the hill and go down the other side, which had a cooling effect on the engine and brought the temperature all the way back down to near normal. Sunday, here in the UK, was quite warm and dry, when what I really wanted was for cold rain. The cab heater fan was on full blast and very hot, trying to help cool things down. The cab was overheating, I was overheating, and at one point I found myself on the hard shoulder of the motorway, travelling at 20 miles an hour, attempting to limp to the nearest services to allow the engine to cool down again. We did in fact manage to limp all the way back to Norwich, in fact the fishing lakes where I intended to leave the trailer. Finally, I felt a little bit of relief, though to be honest that was to be short-lived. Arriving at the apiary in the dark, I decided, reasonably, I thought, to straighten the truck and trailer before reversing it. I drove straight into a very soggy, boggy part of the fishing lakes and got stuck. Even with four-wheel drive, I couldn't get myself and the trailer out. I had no choice but to unhitch the trailer where it sat and return the following day to recover it. Honestly, by that time, I was too tired to care. Fortunately, the beekeeping gods that looked down on us felt that they had played enough tricks on me for one day, and the ranger, in low 4x4 gear, just trundled out of the mud without any problem at all. There will be some pictures on the Patreon page soon to show you just how stuck I got. The next day, the fishery manager turned up with the dump truck that they use on site, hitched up the trailer, and pulled it to safety without any trouble at all. That's another couple of jars I owe him. Thanks, Tony. The truck hopefully gets fixed tomorrow and we'll be back to normal. Now, right at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned my habit of buying things on impulse. Well, the trailer falls into this category in part. Let me explain. Ford Rangers can tow up to three and a half tonnes. Pretty impressive. So, when I saw this large trailer, it seemed exactly what I needed. Capacity of three and a half tonnes gross weight. It is a beast. So weighing in at over 800 kilos, 
it still gives me over two and a half tonnes towing capacity. That is, of course, until you chat with your fellow bee farmers on your WhatsApp group and I explain what's happened and one of them says, are you sure your ranger can pull that much? The older ones can only legally tow two and a half tonnes. Have you ever had that sinking feeling? I grab my folder that contains all of my vehicle documents and sure enough, the V5 shows I can only tow 2.8 tonnes. Somewhere I can hear a voice saying, make sure you do your homework, Stuart. This in fact means once the thermostat issue is fixed and the truck can cope again, I should in theory still be able to load up the trailer with as many empty boxes as I have in order to take them to the bees on the oilseed rape and borage and I will still be able to return something around 100 to 120 full supers in one trip, something I've never been able to do before anyway. And indeed, how happy will I be if I get 120 full supers to bring back at one time? It will mean that the long-term plan is now to upgrade the truck to a newer version that is able to tow the full 3.5 tonnes, which will increase my efficiency further and working smarter, as they say, is the name of the game. It might mean that Steph has to get to grips with driving the current Ranger, as two trucks are going to be better than one, but with all this kicking off, next season has become a major event for me and the Norfolk Honey Company, and I'm really looking forward to see how we get on, for better or worse. Because at the end of the day, a lot of what we do next year will be very new to us, the development of the increase in number of colonies and how we manage them particularly. And so things are always going to challenge us. Before that though, we have all the usual repair and maintenance tasks to get on with and I've got a number of honey orders to get out for delivery over this next weekend. This entails getting more honey into the appy melter to warm sufficiently back to a runny state so that I can get it through the strainer and into the settling tank, then through the bottling machine and into jars. The whole process only takes a few days but it is important to allow the honey some time in the settling tank so that the fine bubbles that get held in suspension can drift to the surface and not end up in the customer's jars. The production of set honey is more time consuming as I have to wait for the honey to begin its granulation process before bottling and of course if left or forgotten the granulation can go too far and then it's just not going to go anywhere. I think we'll be okay for the Christmas orders as far as stock in jars is concerned, but there will also be orders to come at the start of the new year, and I want to be ready for those too. Finally, if you're trying to think of a last-minute Christmas present to suggest to someone that they might buy for you, how about an annual subscription to my Patreon page? I've several different levels to suit everyone, and of course, it's a present that keeps giving throughout the year. Take a look at my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey, and all the details are there. Well, that's it for this week. One more podcast until Christmas. I'll catch up with you all again next week. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.